Available at farmnewsnow.com or wherever you find your favorite podcast. Agriculture through a modern lens. This is the AgriPod with Alice McFarland. On this episode, tensions between Russia and Ukraine are being felt around the world. The agriculture sector is no exception as the uncertainty is having an impact on grain markets. How can farmers plan with another level of uncertainty to deal with? Errol Anderson is the president of Pro Market Communications at Calgary, and he's going to share his thoughts on the conflict as well as more on the oil seed pulse and cattle markets for 2022. A new Plains bison herd has been established on the key First Nation near Norquay, Saskatchewan. The goal to renew cultural, historical, and ecological connections. Michael Burak is the Nature Conservancy of Canada Program Director for Southwest Saskatchewan, and he will share the journey for the bison from the Grasslands National Park and its significance for the Indigenous community. After the break, Errol Anderson. Digging into the topics that matter to you. The AgriPod with Alice McFarlane. Errol Anderson is the president of Pro Market Communications in Calgary. And Errol, wheat prices have been uh, fairly strong, but uh, I understand that you think that this might only be temporary. Well, certainly all eyes are on the uh, tensions between Russia and Ukraine right now. And uh, the wheat market is starting to develop a, a premium uh, and it's pulling the corn market up as well. Um, certainly, if Russia does invade the Ukraine, that will disrupt the flow of grain out of the Black Sea region, and it will push the sales back toward the U.S. So uh, this is quite significant now. Normally, when you, we have geopolitical tensions like this, and if it does occur, we could see these markets blast quickly higher, but they won't stay there very long. And this may be an opportunity for growers to really watch this one because over the next few days, if this does occur and we see strong gains in in wheat and corn, uh, to me, this will be a cash pricing opportunity in these markets because it simply won't last because generally the world is not short of supplies right now. So again, uh, very unpredictable, but something to watch right on the horizon. The volatility in the stock market, you got to watch that because right now, you know, there's tremendous selling pressure in the tech stocks and in the cryptocurrencies. And uh, also, um, now there's indications that the Chinese uh, real estate market may be in in collapse. Now, if um, we see things like the, the Chinese market collapse, overall, this is bearish commodities. So if the Russian situation pushes this up uh, sharply in the near term, it's a sale because if we do see the tension subside uh, and we've got the Chinese uh, pulling back from these markets, I can see some pressure on these commodity prices. So share with us what's happening with canola. Well, it's one of the strongest out there. You know, we've got bids, you know, I believe around $23, you know, in for that spring uh, movement. You know, the, the, the veg oil market has been one of the strongest markets in the world. And, you know, it's driven by uh, sharp gains in palm oil. We've had flooding concerns in Asia that have contributed to the gains. But also, it doesn't mean that this market is bulletproof. Again, I'm a little bit suspect that the prices may not hold into the spring market. So again, take a look at your inventories. Uh, these are tremendous prices. I don't think they're going to hold uh, you know, into the new crop months. Uh, again, we do have the summer weather market ahead. But if we have any normality in moisture this coming year, uh, again, uh, these grain prices will be quite a bit lower when we hit into the fall market. 
to keep an eye on the November on canola. In our shop, we're already protecting growers using, you know, uh, just a simple tool like a put option to guard for new crop. And, you know, I realize the new crop is still at quite a discount to the old crop bids. But again, there's still, you know, solid profits out there because you can still guard anywhere from sixteen fifty upwards toward $18 per bushel, depending if you use a cash contract or if you use put options or you short the futures outright. But, you know, there's money on the table. And from a farm management perspective, I think uh, growers should start to walk in a portion of the crop. Errol Anderson is the president of ProMarket Communications. And Errol, pulse crops uh, certainly have not reflected the same types of gains that we've seen in other commodities. Well, uh, the pea market, you know, it's, it's drifted off its, its highs. And, and really, this is a demand situation. The high prices are in the U.S. So the U.S. buyer is supporting our yellow and our, our green prices. Uh, if the market shifts more toward China, which right now actually it is, it's a lower market. So we are seeing a little bit of that right now. We're seeing the yellows move down just, you know, about 50 cents a bushel, not much. The prices are still, you know, quite good. They're in that 16.50 to $17 per bushel range. The greens are suffering from lack of demand. Again, I don't think there's going to be a lot of movement until maybe into spring sometime for those that are still holding some inventory on green. So uh, these are just issues. I'm not very bullish on the, on the pulse market rate at the moment. So what about seeding? Let's focus on that. Um, farmers will certainly have a plan, uh, but seed availability is an issue this year. Any thoughts about the spring? Keep your antenna up. You know, last year's prices are last year's prices. That's my view. The new crop year is a different year. We don't know what the weather is, but at the same time, don't feel that these commodity prices will necessarily hold up. The oil prices, uh, to me, are overbought. I realize if you go on the internet, uh, everybody is a bull on the internet, but uh, I believe there's a premium that's built into the oil of between 5 to $7 a barrel on the Russian situation. If it calms down, I can see these oil prices move down closer to $70 per barrel. The Canadian dollar, also uh, high. It, we, you know, the Bank of Canada is trying to increase rates, and we'll know uh, this week if they're going to hike rates or not. If they do, we may pop up a bit, uh, but if they don't, the Canadian dollar, in my view, could move down to $0.78 cents rather quickly. The big issues is crude oil. It's the king of commodities. The king of grains, in my view, is corn. Uh, we have to watch that. Now, corn has been supported by the ethanol, good ethanol margins. But if the crude oil, uh, now if crude oil does go up to $100 a barrel, you know, certainly that is, is very, very positive. I'm not in the camp that suggests that because I don't think the global economies can handle it. Uh, I, I can see $70 oil before I can see $100 oil. And if we do go down to 70, then I think overall, and we have the Chinese real estate fallout, I think there are some bumps ahead on some of these commodities. So watch those rallies as a grower and be prepared to price into them as you see fit in your farm management plan. And can you give us an outlook for cattle? The packer still has control, and the wholesale beef market has been red hot. Certainly because of COVID, it slowed the kill chains and uh, that, you know, that has backed up cattle. It's pushed the cash price. The feds in Alberta, Saskatchewan were in that, you know, they went up to about $1.65 to $1.70 a pound. Now they've backed off to about $1.55. Now that's FOB feedlot right now. I think the tone of the beef market and the cattle market going into February will change. 
and I think that it will lean more towards the, the feeder and the prices will start to come back up. The bullish part of the um, livestock market right now is cows. You know, I think the cow market is going to be strong going into spring. Uh, you know, the the prices now are, you know, in that 70 cents, 75 cent range, but I could see that potentially the cow market could move up into 90 cents. Errol Anderson is a market analyst and is the president of Pro Market Communications in Calgary. After the break, a new Plains Bison Herd is being established in Saskatchewan, and it will play a role in renewing cultural and ecological connections for Indigenous communities. Digging into the topics that matter to you, the AgriPod with Alice McFarlane. Michael Burak is with Nature Conservancy of Canada. Michael, a new Plains Bison herd has been moved to the key First Nations. So tell us about the journey for the herd from Grasslands National Park and the Old Man on His Back Prairie and Heritage Conservation Area. Yeah, so just in uh, a couple weeks ago here in January, we rounded up our bison herd like we do annually, and we split off a small group of animals consisting of uh, 10 heifer calves, about seven or eight adult females, uh, and then we had one young bull as well that we, we threw in there for them, and we loaded them up, and they made their way over to the, the camp sack area, the Key First Nation, and were released uh, Saturday the 22nd, I believe. So how did this agreement with the Key First Nation come about? NCC actually undertook a kind of a revamp of our bison management plan for the herd that we have out at Old Man on His Back. Uh, and as part of that, we wanted to engage with Indigenous nations to try to figure out a way that we could um, kind of incorporate some of the Indigenous perspectives uh, on bison and bison management, and as well as identify some opportunities for um, where Indigenous communities could benefit from the bison herd directly. So. An example of that would be like what we've done with the key First Nation with, with reintroducing bison to their lands there. Um, also just to provide um, opportunities for bison harvest and, and things like that. Um, so, so the key First Nation were part of that work that started back in 2019, I guess, um, which was consisted of a series of meetings and some workshops and uh, we actually did a weekend long gathering with the group uh, on site so that they could actually see the herd and see the property. Uh, we did some ceremony and had some feasts together and things like that. And uh, some of the members from Key First Nation who attended that that weekend meeting, uh, we actually kind of took them around, showed them our, our handling facility, our fencing, um, just kind of explained the process that we undertake in a given year with our herd in terms of, of managing them and grazing management and, and our roundup and all of that. Um, and so kind of from there, they took that back to to the nation and kind of set up a bit of a plan themselves. Uh, and we were able to actually put them in contact with Evraz, who is who donated our uh, steel posts for our fencing way back in the early 2000s when we refenced the property for our own bison herd. So Evraz actually donated, I think, a couple hundred posts for them to be able to fence their bison pasture on the reserve. Uh, and then once that, that fencing was done, they were pretty well ready to, to bring the bison home. So there were 20 bison from Old Man on His Back and 20 from Grasslands National Park. Was that done just to make sure you had a good variety of genetics? Yeah, so we we were kind of the first ones that the Key First Nation came to, and they had originally requested 20 animals, and we kind of consulted with that management plan that we had put together uh, and kind of determined kind of where where we had some some individuals that we we would be able to provide based on just the the age and sex structure of the herd and, and things like that. 
Um, and we had a good, we felt comfortable with that, those 20 animals that we could we kind of take them out of the herd and there wouldn't be any kind of effect on our own, our own herd. But um, the, the, key, the key were actually able to secure more feed for the winter than they had originally thought. So they were hoping to start with, with 40 instead of 20, but we just didn't have those animals to, to provide to them. So we, we looped in Parks Canada and Grasslands National Park at that time because we knew that they were handling their bison herd as well that uh, this year. Uh, and NTC was also looking to get a couple new animals from them as well, just to, to add to our, our own herd as we do have uh, a fairly old herd that is kind of starting to get a little bit up there in age. So we've been replacing some of our older animals as we've been losing them. So we, we also got 10 heifer calves from uh, Grasslands National Park, and then we kind of put them in contact with Key First Nation to, to see if they had any animals that they could provide for them as well. Um, and kind of together, we, we put together a group of 40 animals for them. And what does the Key First Nation have planned for this bison herd? What they had kind of uh, explained to us was, yeah, to be a bit of a, a project for the community uh, to bring the bison home um, for kind of both traditional um, spiritual ceremonial type reasons as well as for for food sovereignty for the reserve and for the community um and yeah just uh i think as well there's also kind of a commercial element to it as well michael barack is with the nature conservancy of canada and he is the program director for southwestern saskatchewan this is the agriculture news roundup for the week of january 31st 2022 the philippines lifted its suspension of canadian beef imports the action was put in place after the discovery of an atypical case of BSC in December, which marked the first case of BSC in Canada in six years. The Philippines, China and South Korea had imposed suspensions following the news as they awaited more information. South Korea lifted their suspension in January. China now remains the only holdout. Demand for Canadian grains, oil seeds and pulses has been very strong. Farm Credit Canada said this has created optimism for 2022's growing season. FCC economist Craig Clemmer said prices were 20 to 30 percent higher in 2021 compared to the previous year. And he said grain production is expected to increase, but prices will decline somewhat in the coming year. Canada's beef industry expressing concern about the prolonged disruption at a Canada-U.S. border crossing. Alberta Beef Producers, Alberta Cattle Feeders Association and the Canadian Cattlemen's Association called for a timely resolution and the restoration of the supply chain. The groups say the blockade is also blocking feed supplies desperately needed in Western Canada. The first wave of projects under the Agricultural Clean Technology Program have been announced. Wendland Farms of Waldheim, Saskatchewan, purchased a new high-efficiency grain dryer. That project received $251,000. Under the ACT program, farmers and agribusinesses will have access to funds to help develop and adopt the latest clean technologies to reduce greenhouse gas emissions and enhance their competitiveness. The federal government and Prince Edward Island announced an agreement on diverting surplus potatoes. Those potatoes would have gone to the U.S., but the Americans raised concern about two cases of potato wart, a disease which has been under control for a number of years. An estimated 290 million pounds of PEI potatoes will be diverted to processors, packers, dehydrators, food banks and other markets. However, current estimates indicate that 300 million pounds of potatoes will have to be destroyed. 
Producers in PEI will receive up to 8.5 cents a pound for the disposal of potatoes. A Saskatchewan farmer has been honoured for his environmental farming methods. Christian Hebert was the lone Canadian picked as a climate-positive leader by Corteva AgriScience. Hebert says his farming practices include variable rate fertilizer use and precision equipment to avoid overlapping of field work, rotational and fall cropping to lengthen the vegetation days to absorb carbon dioxide. Another case of H5N1 avian influenza has prompted government officials to warn poultry producers to follow strong biosecurity measures. The Canadian Food Inspection Agency confirmed its third case in less than two months of the highly pathogenic influenza in Atlantic Canada. The initial finding in a non-commercial flock in Newfoundland happened in November. That marked the first time the specific H5 virus has been identified in the Americas since 2015. Since then, CFIA has confirmed a second positive case in Newfoundland and a third H5N1 case was identified near Halifax. Canada's Agriculture Minister will co-chair an international meeting of Ag Ministers. The Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development said that Marie-Claude Bebo will take on the responsibility at the meeting on November 3rd and 4th in Paris, France. The meeting will be an opportunity for OECD agriculture ministers to build on the existing work underway by member countries to enhance the long-term sustainability of the sector, while also working with partners on a collective path forward to addressing the challenges facing the global food system. New Zealand's Minister of Agriculture, Damien O'Connor, will co-chair with Bebo. An interesting concept designed to help Manitoba livestock producers. A new portal has been launched called Manitoba Grazing Exchange. It's a joint initiative of the Manitoba Organic Alliance and Manitoba Forage and Grassland Association. The goal of the website is to connect farmers who have grazing pasture or cover crop fields with livestock producers who need grazing land. The homepage contains a Google map that allows users to create an account and pin their location with the hopes of producers finding land close to their own farms. If you like what you've heard, you can rate and review wherever you get your podcasts and make sure to subscribe to AgriPod with Alice McFarlane for more weekly episodes. The AgriPod is produced by Colby Heiss with host and CJVR Agriculture Director Alice McFarlane and is a division of the Jim Pattison Broadcast Group. Available wherever you find your favorite podcast and at farmnewsnow.com.